All right, here's Deb and I having a picnic on the lake. Beautiful sunny day. And we're having so much fun. <laughs> All right, uh, we had a great picnic out there on the river. That's about uh, 25 minutes drive from the house here. And it was a beautiful spring day. So we had to go out on the river and have us a picnic, something we don't get to do very often. Now, I have a question today. This is uh, one from a young lady, a young married woman. She said, I was a homeschool girl raised in a Christian home. I recently married and think there's something wrong with my husband. My wife did too after we were recently married. I don't know who else to write about my problems, so I'm hoping you can help. I saw that you have a book called Holy Sex, but I wouldn't want my mother to come over and see it. Please don't publish my name. My husband may be, my <laughs> husband may be looking at pornography. I don't know when or how because we don't have an internet and cannot afford a cell phone, but he doesn't seem natural. I'm embarrassed to write this, but he wants to do it all the time. Sometimes he comes at me like an animal. He wants me to take all my clothes off and just ogles me with lust. I have to confess I had to look up the word ogle. I've heard it, but I've never used it and wasn't quite sure what it meant, but it means like she uses it. Ogles me with lust. Now, she said, what can I do to address this problem? Seems to me like the problem doesn't need addressing. It needs undressing. And so I'm going to answer your question from the Bible. The Bible has an answer to your question. So we're going to look at it. She says, thank you. And I, ga I gave the name newly married. That's not the one she gave. I made that up. Now, if you don't think God meant for sex to be f fun, uh, then this video is definitely for you. You see, the devil didn't create sex. God did. And he created it to be everything that it is in a beautiful and a per personal, perfect relationship. So I did write a book sometime back called Holy Sex. This is what it looks like. <laughs> I had some people write, woman write and said, I couldn't buy your book because of the cover. I wouldn't want anyone to see it. Well, it's about what you see on the cover. So it comes right out of the Bible. Now, it's called the book's called Holy Sex, The Way God Intended. And it is, the first half of it is a commentary on a book in the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible. And God dedicated one entire book to a song, a play about sexuality. And that's all the book is about. And the Hebrews used it that way. It required a pretty good-sized cast. It had one man and one woman, but then it had her maids, which were involved in it, and others that filled in here and there. And so in the Song of Solomon, she speaks, and then he speaks, she speaks, the maids speak. And so it is a song to be sung. And I don't doubt that every year they had a celebration when this was an important part of their social activity. So this is the first paragraph in this book, and I, I couldn't say it better, so I wanted to read it to you. The Bible didn't create, uh, the devil didn't create sex, God did. Sex is not the original sin, it's the original blessing. The first gift God gave to man was a beautiful naked woman. The first commandment he gave was be fruitful and multiply, which means 
copulate and make babies. After placing the naked couple together in the garden, their creator looked upon them and said, Behold, it's very good. So that's God's design. Now, remember, God went to the drawing board and designed the human body. So he designed the male and the female as positive and negative charges that at the right age of hormonal introduction, those charges want to come together. Uh, the man is more the, uh, I guess would be the negative charge, which is reaching out to attract the female to himself. Now, I'm just going to show you a few verses out of the book, and I'm not going to fully interpret these to you because I want to keep this no more than R-rated, so I will maintain uh, some decorum and let you read between the lines as they as you need to. This is the second chapter, verse 3. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. He's like an apple tree. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. we got a song we sing with that in it. Stay with, stay me with flagons, that would be wine, keep me here. Comfort me with apples, for I'm sick of love. She was lovesick. This woman was turned on, and she wanted her lover. His left hand is under my head, this is post-love, and his right hand doth embrace me. I charge you, O you daughters of Jerusalem, these would be their, her maid servants, by the rose and by the hinds of the field that you stir not up nor wake my beloved till he please. So I understand that habit thoroughly. Afterwards he went sound asleep embracing her, and she'd warned her maidens, don't come in and disturb us while he sleeps. So that's God's perspective. That's what he says you should sing about. It's a love song, a passion song, an erotic song. Now, again, she sings, My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Now, what about a woman? Might look like a lily. Until the daybreak, he feeds all night, and the shadows flee away. Turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe, that's a deer, or young heart upon the mountains of Bether. So she sees him as strong and fast and swift of foot, and she has all these imaginations about what he must be like. That will do, to, that, will do that to you in the throes of uh, erotic uh, enjoyment. A woman is the most beautiful in the world. A man is the most handsome and the best of all. It just makes you crazy, makes you nuts, and makes you uh, uh, think lies about your partner, but that's the way God made us. How fair is thy love, my sister, my spouse. How much better is thy love than wine and the smell of thine ointment than all spices. Thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. Well, that's some deep kissing. And the smell of my, thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon, which was full of cedar trees and fresh outdoors. She must have been wearing a man's cologne. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. 
a garden, he calls her, enclosed. It's got a fence around it. It's hidden. It's private. My spouse, a spring shut up. She is a spring that is limited. She's his spring of water, no one else's. A fountain sealed. So he goes into his enclosed garden in the place of secret, and there he tastes of his fountain, his spring. Now, she says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him that I am sick of love. This is later, chapter 5, down in the progression. There's actually a drama here we won't go into, but she loses him, and she gets beaten up when she goes to find him, and he comes back and finds her in this state. And it's a lot of drama, so in a play it would have made, made it quite exciting in a musical. Uh, but we won't go into that part and we'll have time. So she says again, I'm sick of love, which means I'm love sick. Find him, tell him I'm in need. So, dear lady who wrote the letter, that's the natural state of a woman. You see, let me stop here and say, I, we've see, received a lot, of, a lot of letters like this, this lady wrote. And the fact that you are embarrassed that your mother might come over and find the book is a statement that your mother has caused you to think of sex as dirty as something that has to be hidden or kept quiet or secret or embarrassed about that it shouldn't be known now there, of course it's private between a husband and a wife but the idea that you have to pretend it doesn't exist because somehow that would make you guilty of something that's a perversion so somewhere in your youth, you developed a perverted view of sex, dear lady. Somewhere in your youth, something very beautiful and lovely, like a bouquet of flowers, like a beautiful spring day, to you is a thing to hide. You hide the bouquet, lest somebody see the beauty of it. You don't want the fragrance. You want to just look at it quickly and put it away, or maybe put it in a book and close it up tight, smash it flat, take the life out of it. And so this, the problem is with you, dear lady, not your husband. He's natural. Uh, for a young man, one time a day is, is natural. T on some days, twice a day. And very young, three times a day on occasion, not every day. My beloved has gone down into his garden to the beds of spices to feed in the gardens and to gather lilies. Now remember she says... She's the garden. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He feedeth among the lilies. The lilies are there, her body. Now he sings back, How beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter. The joints of thy thighs are like jewels. Now where's the joint of the thigh? Uh, flip a woman over on her belly and put your hand on her hip sockets. And those are the two jewels, the work of the hands of a cunning workman. So he said, Lady, you have been carved. I love the look of your jewels. The na thy navel is like a round goblet, which woneth not liquor. The belly is like a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Now, you know, today we might not express our admiration the way they did, but in a day when water and wells were so important, so rare, and a fresh sweet spring was such a delight and fresh wheat in the fall time piled up was meant you're going to eat for the winter 
So these were very complimentary things to say. Thy two breasts are like two young rows that are twins, two young, young deer out there in the field. Thy neck is as a tower of ivory. So she must have a long, slender neck. Thine eyes like the fish pools in Heshbon, deep, reflective, uh, which looketh toward Damascus. Thine head upon thee is like Carmel. A beautiful mountain could be seen up in what would now be Syria. And the hair of thine head like purple. So she had deep black hair. The king is held in the galleries. How fair, how pleasant art thou, O love, for delights. Those delights came from her. This thy statue is like unto a palm tree, and thy breast the clusters of grapes. I said I will go to the palm tree. I will take hold of the boughs thereof. Now also thy breast shall be as clusters of the vine, and the smell of thy nose like apples, the roof of thy mouth like the best wine from my beloved, that goeth down sweetly, causing the lips of those that are asleep to speak so he comes on to her when she's asleep and he explores and he eats and he tastes and she comes awake wow that's did you know that was in the bible uh, it's your fault <laughs> but they're all along one of 66 books now she responds i am my beloved's and his desire is toward me Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. She wants a little break, a little vacation, love vacation. Let us go up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourisheth, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give us smell, and at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, Oh, my beloved, she's promising him delightful delicacies to his taste and smell. And then there be three things. This is that's I finished uh, the Song of Solomon. Now, what I have here in the in this is a commentary verse by verse going through the Song of Solomon. Every single verse dealt with uh, get, making comment on it. And then we examine additional scriptures. There be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air. Beautiful, soaring, flying. The way of a serpent upon a rock, sensual, warm. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea, noble, proud. And the way of a man with a maid. So he said there are three things. Four of them are just, <laughs> I just can't, can't handle that fourth one. And that's the way of a man with a maid that's too wonderful just too wonderful so dear lady you need to be part of something very wonderful whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the lord in other words if you want god to like you better get married proverbs 5 drink water out of the own cisterns he's talking about partaking sexually and running waters out of thine own well let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of water in the streets let them be wholly thine own and not strangers with thee let thy fountains be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth 
Let her be as the roving hind and the pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. So that's a commandment from God. You want some commandments? This is better than all the Ten Commandments. So he says, take that wife of your youth, drink from her cisterns and from her wells, uh, not strangers, just you. Let her fountain be blessed. Rejoice with the wife of your youth. Let her be as the pleasant roe. Her breast satisfy thee at all times and be ravished with her love. God is delighted when a husband is ravished with his wife's love. So that's just been a few. That's probably 5% of the verses that in the Bible on the subject that I go through here in this little book. It's not very many pages, just 84 pages. But I had people write to me and say it totally changed their marriage. Uh, it got, it, you know, I know most of people come into marriage with guilt and shame because especially today in age, more not today it'd be nearly all, because of pornography and TVs and movies and stuff, the, the, the devil has commandeered a precious thing, the sex drive, and uses it for perverted reasons. See, genuine sexuality is, is designed by God to not stand alone, but to be part of intimacy, uh, honesty, sharing, spirituality, uh, family, caring. It's meant to be a culminating expression of a union of two spirits. And if you take it away from that, then all it is is just a plain old self-gratifying getting off. And that's mostly what all most people know about sex. You haven't really had genuine godly sex until it's a spiritual experience as well as physical. Uh, that doesn't diminish the physical. It's, it's passionate in every way. But when there's a spiritual aspect to it, when there's a deep caring in a communion, when there is worship involved in it, then it's taken to a height that transcends anything anybody from Hollywood has ever imagined or conceived. And once you've had holy sex, you'd never settle for anything less. And you, I don't care what your past has been, don't care where you slept, who you slept with. When the Spirit of God cleanses your heart, you get your heart and mind right, and you get away from all the pornography and the movies and the TV and stuff that induces lust, and you walk pure before God for several months or several years, you'll reach a place where you'll be able to love your partner, your, your wife, your husband, in an intimate way that takes you to heaven, not just physically, but spiritually, mentally, in every way. So that's my answer to this young lady's question. And I know many of you out there have got the same questions because you've asked them. So uh, you probably are thinking, what does a 75-year-old know about this? I know a lot more than you do because I've been around a lot longer and I hadn't forgotten and I'm still making memories. So got to go. 